Welcome, welcome, Ahmed. Thanks for jumping on with me. Um, I usually start off with a little bit of a self-introduction uh, as usual. So um, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about yourself, that'd be great. Yeah, uh, good afternoon, uh, Andres. Good to see you. So a little bit about myself. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet, but, you know, I am a Southern California born and bred native, right? I've been here for the last 49 years of my life. I grew up pumping gas in my dad's gas station, going to college and pumping gas at the same time. And then I, and then going through college, graduating college and getting my start in commercial real estate. Uh, after college, I got a job with a very large international brokerage company. Um, at the time they were called CBRE or CB Richard Ellis, but now they're just called CB, um, very large uh, company doing industrial and warehouse brokerage all throughout Southern California, you know, those big concrete boxes that you see everywhere. I was doing those deals and those transactions. Did those for a number of years, um, investing on the side. And then, you know, I left that company, did it on my own for a while. And then I got the opportunity to run and operate a very large construction firm uh, for a friend of mine. He was transitioning out of the business. He wanted somebody to run and operate the business. So I came in and kind of took over that company and uh, grew it and continued to operate it for a number of years. I was known as the fixer, you know, when construction projects were going bad, things were getting in trouble, they're going beyond schedule, they're going over budget. I was the guy that came in and fixed everything, right? I got everything back on track. So I was really good at that. And then just, you know, owning and operating commercial real estate along the side. And once my time was done with the commercial construction firm, you know, doing projects anywhere from two to $3 million up to $150 million type projects. I left that and continued to go full-time on my own, investing in developing real estate here in Southern California, throughout Arizona and all the way out to Dallas, Texas. And now we're just full-time investing in developing real estate. Awesome. Awesome. Do you think that that background of yours was necessary to do what you do now, or was it just how it happened to develop? You know, with me, I think it was because I had followed passions of mine. I always enjoyed putting things together, taking them apart, putting them together. So I've been very good with my hands. So whether it was ripping apart a gas pump and putting it back together and fixing it when I was working at my dad's gas station, or as a kid with Legos, putting Legos together, right? Or as uh, as being much older and, and repairing my car myself, changing the brakes, changing the carburetor working on the engine, stuff like that, taking it apart and putting it back together. I always had a really good affinity at it. I was really good at it and I always enjoyed it. So now I'm in a career where I'm taking bits and pieces, whether it's clients, customers, and tenants when I was a broker, or now that as a developer, I'm taking land contractors, materials, engineers, architects, and putting them together and creating something out of it. Right. So I just always been a creator meaning taking the pieces and putting it together like a conductor of an orchestra. I just always enjoyed it. And I realized over the years that I'm also really good at it as well. It's one of my inherent strengths is putting things together. Yeah. I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I, I'm a structural engineer by, by trade and or by, by training. And, uh, I guess development is at the top of the pyramid, right? So you need to know a little bit about everything to be able to coordinate with everybody. So it definitely, um, I can see how it can definitely come in handy. So, but yeah, I mean, in your business, you see 
problems and then you got to assemble all the pieces and put those pieces together to to create a solution right but you got to know where to find those parts and pieces to put together in the first place yeah it's hard to solve a problem that you don't know the requirements of right is that what you're saying yeah that's it yeah and your training has given you the exposure to finding the right parts and pieces to create a solution for that problem. My problem or the problem locally is housing, warehousing, distribution centers, things of that like, okay, well, there's a problem. There's a need for this. So what do I do? I go out and I find those opportunities to satisfy that. Awesome. Awesome. And so I, I, I sort of oftentimes leave this to the end, but I was curious, um, what is one thing that you changed your mind on as in what's one thing that you throughout your years, you know, you, you used to think one thing and now you've, you've changed opinion and you see that as a pivotal, pivotal factor, you know, in, in your progress. You know, it would probably be uh limiting beliefs mindset right and limiting beliefs is half of the the solution right limiting beliefs is now understanding that you can do more you can do better you can create more you can advance more you can grow more right but also uh another thing is is there's multiple problems or shall we say multiple solutions to every problem Right. And if you have a limiting belief mindset, you understand that there's no opportunity. But if you have a mindset that eliminated those limiting beliefs, then you can go out and find those multiple solutions to your problem. Right. And allow you to have more opportunities to grow into advance from there. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that oftentimes solutions are there, but if you don't know where to look or how to look, then then you're sort and and oftentimes the blinders are self-imposed, right? Like if you think yeah. that you can't find a solution, then you won't you won't see it. So I think limiting beliefs yeah. was one of the largest things that I had to get over. So So those come from your childhood, right? If you grow up not being exposed to multiple solutions, if you're not brought up being exposed to multiple paths, multiple op options, multiple opportunities, then as an adult, you'll never look for those, right? So it's either you grow up with it with or without those limiting belief mindsets, or you become an adult and you find a way to understand and overcome that and change your mind and change your focus and change your direction as well. So do you think you have to go through some sort of I guess, trauma, you want to say it to, to get over those or what exactly do you like in your experience, what have you seen people, um, go through to, I guess, flip that switch. Right. Cause oftentimes I've noticed that a lot of entrepreneurs, like, you know, like they all had some moment or some, something that some struggle that they had to go through to then, you know, flip, flip the coin 180 degrees and, and go the other direction. So change their path in life. It, yeah, it it's isn't called always... the hard landing. Hmm. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that it's usually it doesn't have to be 
something severe, but I've, I've seen either, you know, I've, I've seen everything from bullying to alcoholism mm-hmm. that, you know, has turned people around. So, um, hard landing sounds yeah. like the right word. For the most part, it is a hard landing, right? For the most part, it is something major in your life that causes you to look at things differently, right? You've been hit so hard. You got knocked over so hard. You've been wronged so hard, or you've been hurt so hard that it forces you to have a different mindset, a different look, a different perception of that reality, right? So it's either a hard landing or a hard lesson, or it could be, you're just very open-minded and, and, and you see things differently. And then you realize, Hey, I see things differently. I would like to empower that and bring that to myself and be, and bring that mindset into myself. Right? So you're really having an open mindset and you see things differently, or you have that hard landing or that hard lesson that, you know, shocks you to pushing you to that next level. So what was your hard landing? If you don't mind sharing. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot is, uh, you know, a few years back, it was, I got, I got knocked on my ass seven ways to Sunday all at once. You know, it was 2019. Uh, you know, I just was getting divorced. Uh, my father got very sick. COVID came around. I uh, lost one of my dogs. I got very sick and I was hospitalized. My father was hospitalized. Uh, business was tough because of, you know, the environment. So it was like one after another, after another major setbacks. And then after that, it turned into some legal issues and it turned into some court cases. Then it turned into this, this, and this, right? So it was just major, major, uh, life incidences all happening at the same time, right? It's one thing to, to, to have these major life moments one at a time, one at a time. Oh, my father got sick. He was hospitalized. Uh, there's a lot of issues with that. And then a couple of years later, another one comes along and a couple of years later, another one comes along. But for me, everything kind of happened in 2019 and it really knocked me down and it caused me to really take a step back and evaluate things. And once I was able to evaluate things and see things differently, it forced me to change, right? To, to handle things differently, to, to accomplish the goals differently and to go about things differently to get to my destination versus continuing to try and fight the tide, fight the waves, fight the forces against me, caused me to have that shift in my mindset and do things differently and in, in a better way, actually. Yeah, I think maybe go with the flow is what, is what, uh, you were meaning there at the end, right? To put it in different words. Um, it's oftentimes maybe counterintuitive. Um, I'm, I mean, I can speak from personal experience to where, you know, I'm working on a business now and everything feels like it's going in the right direction. Everything's falling into place as it should, but there's always that feeling of like, uh, yeah, discomfort, like discomfort or, or is, is it really going in the right direction that it should be? You know, there's always, there's some self-doubt in there, obviously. Um, but then, yeah. so I guess my point was, you know, you can go with the flow, as I said, but then you need to have faith and confidence that, that that's the right path for you. Right. True. True. Mm. You know, it's always good. And I always tell people you need to 
step outside of your body and look at you and your situation unobjectively from a third person's and evaluate yourself from a third person, because if you're trying to evaluate yourself from the first person's point, you're not going to get an accurate result. You're not going to get the right information. You're not going to be told the right things, right? So you always got to take a step out and look at yourself from a third person perspective. Like, Hey, I am educated. I'm smart. I'm hardworking. I have good morals. I have a lot of success. I have you know, a lot of accomplishments because you need to, the only way to see that if you're looking from the third person, because if you're looking in the mirror, you, you wouldn't have the same perception of yourself, right? You'd be like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm not in shape. Oh, I'm not smart enough. Oh, I'm not accomplished enough. Right. But if you look at yourself from a third person, you're like, no, you're very accomplished. You're very smart. You're very successful. You have a lot of good qualities, but we never look at ourselves from third person's perspective. And that's the problem. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, right? It's difficult to get out of yourself. It's not, it's a skill, like a muscle that you develop. Um, I think it, it takes time, right? And, and yeah, I guess going back to the, going back to that moment of everything falling, maybe falling apart, it's, it takes something like that to get you out of yourself sometimes. So, I mean, if anything that, if any, if COVID brought anything to the world, I think it definitely made a lot of people self-reflect a bit more about what their goals are in life. So, you know, I guess hopefully nothing, hopefully not all of it was negative. Um, so. True. Yeah. I mean, if, if some people have pushed back and some people have pushed forward because they were dealt with so much adversity, they had no choice, but either to crumble or to rise up over it. And that's, that's some of the you know, the good aspects of COVID because to me, it pushed me and it leveled me up and it pushed me through all that adversity. I was, I was looking at it, it made me stronger. Hmm. And what, what, what do you think differentiates the people that fell versus the people that move forward? Uh, probably who they're surrounded with, because if they're surrounded by a bunch of people who accept certain behaviors and certain mindsets, then they won't change. But if they're surrounded by people who see things differently, then they'll change. It's, it's very easy to see, uh, you know, they say you are the, uh, the sum or the culmination of your, of the five people you hang out with. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, if you hang out with a bunch of people that see things, uh, as a challenge and sees an opportunity to accomplish more and to grow more and to do more, then you're going to start adopting that mindset. But if you're around a bunch of people that accept you being sad or accept you being mundane, or they accept you being okay, just the way you are, and they don't push you for more when they know you have more, those aren't the people to hang around with. And luckily for me, I had some peer circles of friends and, and other people in, in entrepreneurial groups that I'm a part of that I was surrounded by, I'm like, wow, they're accomplishing this. They're accomplishing that they're doing this. They're doing that. What's stopping me from doing that as well. And they encouraged me to do more as well. So it's pretty much who you surround yourself with. You can go to a pity party and go cry in the corner with a bunch of other people, or you can go outside, you know, pick up some tools and go handle business. You know, it's, it's up to you how you want to do it. And it depends on the people you surround yourself with.
Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> something to be said about not hanging out with the same five guys or people that you've hung out with your entire life, right? I mean, if you want to, yeah, if you want to develop, right? So, what would you suggest for people that are looking to change their circle, right? I mean, there's all sorts of events. I've gone to business events. I've gone to <laughs> networking events. There's a variety of um, uh, efficiency to, to those as far as meeting people. So, yep. it's it's going to be hit or miss, right? You go to an event, so you're like, oh, this event was great, or this event was horrible, or this event just hyped me up, but that's all it did, right? It's about going to events or finding groups of like-minded individuals that you know you can create the relationships with right like well i this event was great it was tactical it was practical it gave me something to think about and it gave me some some homework to do tomorrow when i get home right because you can go to another event or they're just going to tell you their sad story and tell you how they overcame it and tell you oh you can do it too everyone can do that but it's about surrounding yourself and going to events or joining groups where people are tactically implementing um ideas mindsets and and executing those things that they've learned to take themselves to another level and then you start surrounding yourself with those type of people and you're going to start doing it yourself it's just automatic you can't be surrounded by a bunch of high achievers and not try to achieve more yourself yeah i was reading i was this morning i was reading um what is that book called again um it's called Raising Capital for Real Estate by Hunter Thompson. And uh, he was saying in that where uh, he was he was saying how he got started by just going to tons and tons of, of networking events. And then he came up with a system of sort of, uh, of the $2,000 event. So if he thinks that he made, uh, you know, he got a $2,000 value out of an event, then he he deemed it worth it, right? And he sort of, made a list of um you know five to ten things that he valued to be two thousand dollars right and so then he keeps that clear so if somebody gave a good book recommendation that really changed his mindset or um or gave them the name of a different um of a, of a different event that he met you know a good mentor from or um you know there, there he listed off a, a variety of different yeah. um but i feel like people maybe undervalue a little bit events like that. I've gone to some mm. events where I've said, um, where people have said, oh, how could you have spent this much money to go to that event? But man, has my circle changed after going to those events? You know, it's like the value is never immediate and the value is, is yeah, it has like a latent response, don't you think? Yes, definitely. Definitely there's some long-term to it, right? And it's about creating that circle throughout building that circle. Now I travel across the country going to certain events just to spend time with my friends and colleagues that share the same mindset and, and, you know, desire to better yourself, right? Because meeting these guys at events and knowing that they live across the country, I go to events now to definitely go and to see them and to, you know, to bond with my friends, right? Because, you know, the events are all similar, right? They are, they're the feel good events, they're the hype events, they're the events that give you 
a, a, a motivation, right? But it's what you do with the people at the events that really matter the most, what relationships you make, what contacts you make, what sort of opportunities you create out of those. That's what's really important, right? The people on stage are great or the people leading the event are great, but really, really what really matters is the relationships, the contacts and the opportunities you create out of it. Yeah. I mean, I actually went, I mean, I'm living in Colombia now and I went to an event last couple of months ago that was in Malaysia and uh, it's related to investing abroad. And, and so now I have connections here in Colombia. So it's a bit weird. Like, I feel like the concept, like you were saying of like, okay, I have this friend that lives across the country. I maybe don't see him that often, but the value you get out of that friendship or that uh, relationship is probably more than you'd get from somebody that you hang out with consistently, but there's, there's, you know, you're, you're not getting much out of it. And, uh, and I don't mean to say it in a way of like, you need to get something out of your friend, your every friend you have. Right. I mean, there's different types yeah. of friendships, but yeah, I mean, very because true. you don't yeah, see them every day. It's what you do with, no, you don't. It's, it's, it's what do you do with those opportunities? And like you said, you, you ain't be created friendships and opportunities that are going to take you way further in life than, than just going to some event. It's about what you do with the people there and the information and the opportunities and the, and the mindset that you pick up while you're there. Hmm. There's no magic pill. You're not going to go to the event. They're not going to give you a magic pill. You're going to take that magic pill and everything's going to change for you. No, it's about what you do with it. Another, I think another added benefit of that is just getting out of your shell. I mean, for, for more introverted people that don't like, that aren't so sociable, it could be like a useful, uh, thing to, to first do. Right. Yeah. I mean, some of the, the greatest entrepreneurs out there are introverts, right? But they, but they force themselves to live in that discomfort in order to push them to do more, right? They understand they're introvert. They understand they just want to stay home and watch Netflix. They understand that. They don't need to be around a lot of people because they're, they're happier that way. But they also realize that being an introvert, uh, they need to, to force themselves to get out there a little bit more and to do more. And that's getting outside their comfort zone. And when you get outside of your comfort zone, then you're experiencing opportunities and experiences that are going to push you further in life. Hmm. I don't know where I read this, but it said something along the lines of, um, the the journey to you know to to build a business or to get to where you're going right is 90 percent of it is becoming the person that you need to be to have that business to run that business to to achieve your success your goal however you may define uh define it right like the self right. the self-development the self-development is really the path, right? It's, it's the majority of it. The rest is filler and knowledge that isn't so complicated. Right. Do you think yeah. that, do um, you think that, oh yeah, continue. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, do you think that, um, the majority of people are capable of say running a business or the skills that are required to run a business and you think it's just a mindset? Um, no, it's not a majority of people. Everyone, 
has natural inherent strengths, right? Some people are really good salespeople, but really poor operators. Some people are really good execution people, but really poor managers. Some people are really good at their hands, but they're not good at their finances, right? So running a business is, is for a certain set of, set of people. It's not saying the people who run a business are any better. It's just, they have skill sets that allow them to run a business, right? Because there's many skill sets I don't have that other people do have that are critical to me, you know, whether it's management, whether it's working with their hands, whether it's, you know, financial, whether it's um, different things out there, right? They have skill sets that I don't have. So it's all about taking your skill set and, and, and your experience and what you're naturally inherent good at and putting it to work. And so people who run a business, you know, you can see who is naturally inherently a good business operator and who is not. And it's not saying that people who are not, are, are not as good. It's just, they have a different skill set and maybe running and operating a business is not their skill set. So what do you suggest for people to fill in the gaps? To partner. Understand that I am not good at this, but I need to bring in a partner who is so we can execute this. Right. There's so many things I am not good at, but I know, and I know that where I have to bring in other people as partners or collaborators or, or something that in that direction to execute for me, because I'm unable to do that because of my skill sets and my natural inherent strengths. Right. Um, you know, if you ever read about Jack Welch, which is the, you know, the great CEO of GE for many years who essentially turned around that company and actually took it to where it is now is Jack famously said, I am not good at most of this running GE, running the appliances division, running the lighting division, running the aircraft engine division, running all these different divisions under this big conglomerate. It requires so many skill sets, so much knowledge, so much information, so much experience. But what Jack did say was I am good at recognizing who the experts are and getting them to work for me. Right? So it's about recognizing your skill sets and what you're good and you're not good at, and then figuring out how to plug, like you said, fill that gap with the right people and being honest with yourself. Being, I suck at this. I am not good at this. I'm being honest with myself. I'm putting my ego to the side that I need help with this. I'm going to go and find and hire or collaborate or partner with the right person to accomplish this goal. Right. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's about putting your ego to the side and realizing I need help. This isn't my expertise. Let me bring in somebody who does have this expertise and let us work together. Ego must be a, a big factor there, right? Being able to accept that maybe Dude. this isn't going to be something that I'm ever going to be good at. Sure. There's nothing wrong with that because you are really good at a bunch of other things. You can't be good at everything. Right. Impossible. Yeah. And I, but figure out that what I've, you're really good at, then go in hard. Something that I've been trying to, to focus more on is that once you let go and accept the fact that you're not going to be good at everything, then you can focus on the stuff that you do not, you're not only just good at, but it also just energizes you. It, it's something that when you walk out of it, like this podcast, when I walk out of it, I'm not tired. I'm not exhausted. Right. I, um, um, if anything, I have more energy to go work more. So yeah, 
you know, it's like finding those things that energize you and then in delegating the things that you're not good at, um, that, that take right. energy from you. Right. And, um, and then working out a system that works for you rather than, um, works for somebody else. So sometimes all these, you know, like I'm, I'm obviously, I like reading as much as I can about self-development and business and something I've been trying to focus on as well is, you know, like realizing that there's going to be the, a way that everybody else has done it. And there's going to be the way that I, you know, Andres Rich is going to do it. So, um, and then having confidence to say, this is an appropriate way of doing something. Right. I guess there's some self-confidence yep. in that, but yeah. Because your skill sets and experience allow you to accomplish things differently than everyone else. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that because there is no same journey or the same path or same destination for everyone. Everyone is different. As long as they're accomplishing and moving forward and leveling up, then they're, they're doing the right thing. Right. Yeah. I think everybody needs to define their own success. Right. I mean, I, when I, I, when I was traveling this past month, uh, you know, like I, I met a guy that lived on like a hundred dollars a day and just surfed every day. And he was successful to himself. And then there's, you know, obviously mm -hmm. I met some entrepreneurs who are making millions of dollars a, a month. And it's like, obviously they're successful in their world too. So, um, yeah. it's all about just defining and then not caring what other people think. I think. Yeah. I mean, because their skill sets and their expertise and their definition of success is, is way different. I mean, you know, uh, a woman who stays home and takes care of her children and raises really great kids. That's, that's an amazing skill set and it's an amazing accomplishment and it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge, you know, undertaking, right? Because going out and making money and growing a business is also a huge accomplishment and undertaking, right? But they're both equally as hard. They just require different skill sets, right? So if people think, oh, I didn't accomplish much or I haven't done much, I'm like, no, you probably have but you're just evaluating it the wrong way, right? You probably done a lot of things and had a lot of success and had a lot of great things happen, but you're not evaluating and looking at it in the right way, right? Because they were saying, oh, uh, you know, Elon Musk makes billions of dollars and created all these companies. I'm like, yeah, but has Elon Musk had a, a great marriage and raised some amazing kids and have, uh, who have good morals and good standards and have gone on to do good things. I don't know. You know what I mean? So these are different successes and you can't really evaluate them in the same paragraph, but they're both great accomplishments. Yeah. I think even he himself said that most people, Elon Musk, I mean, most people wouldn't want to live his life. So, sure. but most, a lot of people I meet say they'd want to have his life. Right. So. Yeah. Look at, look at the doctor who, look at the doctor who travels to Africa to go to the remote villages and towns to treat people and get paid nothing because he's doing it because of the, of the, the results and the success and the, and his, the way his heart and his mind think, right? Are you kidding me? That's massive, massive results, massive success, massive accomplishments. But if you're going to try to evaluate it in dollars and cents or, or company size or whatever, it's not going to measure, but if you measure it on results and success, it's going to be just as successful as 
Tesla or Apple or Amazon, right? Because this has, our woman has saved lives, uh, improved communities, brought people together, helped people live a better life. Those are massive, massive successes. But if you're going to evaluate by stock price, it's not going to correlate. That's why you have to look at things differently. Look at things in terms of success and not really in terms of evaluating against something else. And just before we get uh, farther down this topic, uh, I just wanted to mention, I guess, sure. that I've, I've noticed today, and I guess in this day and age, right, is that in the same way that you were saying that, you know, women have, or, or I guess women that may want to be a stay-at-home mom have been uh, looked down upon, right? There's there's men, like you, you can sort of flip the page there a little bit, right? And say you don't, as a guy, you don't want to be a CEO of Fortune 500 company. Like you're, there's also, right, that aspect of, okay, he's he's not doing what he's supposed to, or what what he's supposed to be doing, or I, I don't know what the right word would be, right? But right, there's something to be said about just... Society definition. So, sorry, what was that? It's society's definition of success and accomplishments, right? Society says men are supposed to go out and 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 fight and win and 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 be titans of business and and do all this kind of stuff, which mm -hmm. is understandable yes but it's also like but men who go and become doctors and go like i said to africa or asia to some small town or village that's in need that's also massive success right so you got to be careful about society's standards or society's definition of thing it doesn't always it doesn't always you know it's not always true right mm -hmm. society says oh uh you're too emotional oh you're you show too much excitement. Oh, you're too sad. Oh, you're too outgoing. Oh, you're too quiet. Oh, you're too this, you're too that. Well, according to who? Society. But this is how God made you. God made you an excited person, a happy person. God made you a quiet person, a, an easygoing person, right? So why do we have to always live within society's boxes? You should live in a box that, that fits for you. As long as you're not hurting or harming or, or causing uh, difficulties for anyone else, right? Yeah, I think. What is it that um, I think that if you've ever heard of Alex Hormozy, he always says like, if you don't define your goals, society will define them for you. Um, so, and okay. I probably butchered that a little bit, but uh, but the the, the sentiment is there. Um, so yeah. So do you feel that your definition of goal changed when you were, you know, going through this struggle back in 20, in 2019, your direction? Yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah. What, what, what was it before and what it was it me, and what is it now? You know, before I was a more complacent, more of a go with the flow kind of guy. And now it's more like, hey, I got so many years left on this earth. I want to accomplish as much as I can, create as much good things as I can, create as much opportunity as I can, right? Because before I was just more complacent with going with the flow. I'm like, no, let me take advantage of what's in front of me now, right? Let me take advantage of all of this.
because if I don't, I don't want to get old and have regrets, right? I don't want to get old and, and not, <clears throat> not feel like I didn't take advantage of all the opportunities I had in front of me. Right. So, but that's who I am. That's my, my perception. That's who I see myself as. Hmm. Yeah. I've, I've sort of, oh. I've heard, I, I'm, I'm obviously not at that point in, in my life, but I've, I've heard that there's, I guess there's, I've read about just stages in a man's life, right? And oftentimes like 40 some, like if you don't reflect about where you want to go, you stop sort of leading your life, right? You're, you're maybe, you're married, you maybe have kids, you, you're, you've been in your career a good decade or, or two, right? Um, and then it's, it's sort of hitting that point where you need to self-reflect and pivot or else you're just going to stay stagnant and, and not really go in any specific direction and not lead your life, which I feel like for men is, is quite important, um, to lead your, you know, your life and your family and the direction that you're going in. Right. So I'm curious your, your thoughts on that. You know, it goes back to your, your the, when you quoted Alex Ramosi, right? Mm -hmm. You don't define your success or define your life or define who you are. Society will do it for you, right? Well, it's about, you know, pausing and taking a, account of who you are and what you, where you are at that moment. Like, hey, am I the person I want to be? Am I the person that I could be? Am I the person that I want to be for my children or for my family or for my friends? And then taking action, right? Or you can say, yeah, I am a really great mom. I am a really great dad. I am a really great friend. I'm a really great business operator. I'm doing good. I'm just going to continue along that path. Right. But it's about <clears throat> being self-reflective and being honest and open about what you see and, and, and looking at yourself like, yeah, I can do better. Okay, go do better. Like, oh, I'm doing pretty damn good. I'm just going to continue this because I am doing good and continue to good to good. Right. Mm -hmm. But if. You know, if you don't take a moment and look at yourself and self-reflect honestly and openly, like you said, society's going to do it for you. Hmm. Okay. So say that you are going down, uh, the, you are in a position where you're saying, yeah, I'm going in the right direction. It's working. Everything's going well. Yep. But, but you are, you're maybe not taking risks as much you're more a little bit more in the safe zone right because i guess the question i was getting at right is that i feel or I, I i very much feel that it's important to always be pushing your boundary a little bit and doing things that make you uncomfortable sure. and you can fall into that trap of everything is going well but then you're not pushing that edge as as i like to call it so sure you know it's about the calculated risks hey things are going well i'm growing i'm expanding i'm becoming a better father mother i'm becoming healthier i'm becoming a better businessman i'm becoming a better friend right but you want to do better right and it, like you said it's about taking those risks hey what do i need to do to elevate myself to the next level right what do i need to do to grow and to expand right so it's about 
it's almost like real estate. It's a calculated risk. Doing the homework and doing the, the, the research and, and understanding what it takes to get you there without losing everything that you already have. You know, it's a, it's a risk profile. Hey, do I want to take a chance over here? And if I fail, that's okay. It's not going to take me back. I'm going to just fall back to where I was currently. Or do I take this big giant risk? And if I fail, it puts me back at square one, right? So it's all about your risk profile. How much of risk do you want to take to get to the next level? Sometimes you only need to take a small risk. Sometimes it's a bigger risk. But it all depends on you and your outlook and how you see things and how much of a risk you, you're willing to take. Because if you do lose, you know it's going to set you back. But how far will it set you back is the question. And if you're being, if you're taking a calculated risk and you fail, have you put things in place to prevent a hard landing, right? So just be on the edge, yep. right? Rather than being way beyond your comfort zone and putting yourself at risk, at, yeah. at a great risk, right? It's, it's like when I look at a real estate deal, I look at good, better, best, right? And I have my oh shit number. I'm like, okay, if I get into this real estate deal, if things work out great, I'm going to make all this money and all this accomplishment, all this success. If things work out average, I'm still going to do good. I'm still going to have, you know, certain amounts of success and return and return on investment. Or if things work out poorly and things go into the trash and every bad thing happens, where would that leave me? What is my oh shit number, right? What is that number, that value, that, that cost to me? that if everything goes wrong, where will it leave me? And if it leaves me there, am I okay to start again from that position? Right? Mm -hmm. So it's always like, yeah, I can go into this. I'm going to be really successful and have a lot of success out of this. Or if it doesn't happen, where's it going to leave me? And will I be able to pick myself up and continue to move forward? Right? So you always got to, it's almost like a worst case scenario. If the worst case scenario comes up, can you still pick yourself up? continue to move forward or would be so bad that you're going to be, you know, out of commission for a very long time. It's that risk profile that you need to understand about yourself and what you do. So you can figure out what kind of risks you want to take. Do I want to take a small risk because I want to have a small reward, but if I take a small risk, I also have the potential of a small failure, which is okay. I can live with that. Or do I go with a big risk with the potential for a big failure? And if I do have that big failure, can I live with that and move on? That's, it depends on how your risk profile is. Great. Um, I want to pivot a little bit now and talk a little bit about your, 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 um, development company. Uh, so I guess, mm -hmm. could you speak a little bit more about exactly what it is that you do? I mean, maybe for those of, of, of us listening that aren't so familiar with the business. So as you know, I spoke about before, I'm, I'm really good at putting things together, right? Finding the pieces and assembling them to create something out of it, whether it's car parts, Legos, people, processes, whatever it is, I'm really good at putting that together and having a love for that and having a love for real estate, it works out very well. So my goal as a developer is to find and identify either deficiencies in the market or needs in the market, right? Meaning 
hey, there's not enough housing here. There's not enough warehousing. Oh, it, this was done, but it was done incorrectly. And now it's deficient and it could use a correction, right? So majority of my, my business is going out and identifying needs in the local market here in Southern California and, and Texas and finding those opportunities to satisfy those needs. All right, they're in need of housing in this area. I'm gonna go and find a way to provide housing for people in this area. I'm gonna go and find the people I need and put that team together to create this opportunity. Contractors, engineers, architects, financing, right? All these people I need to put together to satisfy this requirement to satisfy this need, right? So uh, my business right now focuses on, on multifamily development, which are apartment buildings uh, here in Southern California and in Dallas. And it also focuses on industrial buildings here in Southern California. These are two needs that I've identified that I can fill that gap in the market and provide this product to the market that is in need of this because we are in need of housing. We are millions and millions and millions of housing units short here in the United States. It's in demand, even though it's changing financial markets, it's still in demand. The same thing with industrial warehousing, right? We are now seeing what is called the Amazon effect, where there's less retail, more delivery, less, you know, outdoor shopping, more on the phone, on the app, on the iPad, right? And what do, what do you need to do? You need to have centers and fulfillment centers and support and, and people and equipment and warehousing and transportation and delivery to satisfy this Amazon effect. So this is what industrial buildings do. They provide an opportunity for businesses to fulfill this need, which is the Amazon effect where everything now gets delivered to you. So I'm focusing on these two types of businesses for these two types of developments. Mm -hmm. I've noticed a lot of companies, a lot of California companies are starting to invest in Texas. Um, and I'm curious why you chose to do that. Uh, and if you looked anywhere else or if you just followed suit or, or what was your mindset there? Well, California is very saturated now, so it's getting harder and harder to do business here, right? There's a lot of competition. There's less opportunity for development. There's less opportunity for things like that. And I've looked at other markets outside of California that are also in need of certain products. So what I did was I've identified certain areas that I would, wouldn't mind, you know, expanding to. I had an opportunity or two presented to me from from Dallas and I evaluated, I executed, I'm like, yes, this is an opportunity. This makes sense. This is something I can do. I'm going to execute on this now, right? Because if you go into a parking lot, but all the parking spots are full, you're going to have to go to the next parking lot over. And that's what I'm doing. California is very saturated, a lot of competition. There's a lot of money here. So I'm going to go somewhere else where I can go and develop property and make a profit where it's not as competitive, where there are more available land, where there are good financial uh, markets and, and favorable to businesses and stuff like that. So that's what I'm doing because of that. And are you a fund or are you self-invested or? Uh, right now, everything is self-invested, but I will be opening up for some outside investment here pretty soon, but everything is kind of done through the company. No outside partners, no outside investors. Yeah. So you, you built, you built it up from your own capital from the very beginning. 
Yeah, it's from small investments and just growing it over time, you know, small one, grow it to the next one, grow it to the next one, grow it to the next one. And just kind of, you know, doing that traditional real estate practice of like, hey, I buy one, create some value, sell it, take that value, buy two, create some value, sell it, buy four, build two, sell two, you know, invest two, you know, and just continue to grow it from there. So, but it, but if I really want to truly scale, I need to start bringing in some outside capital to start doing bigger and bigger projects now. And what would you suggest for somebody that's interested in getting started in what you do? Where would you start learning? Where would you, I guess, suggested books and, and uh, resources? Yeah. I mean, not necessarily books and resources, but definitely uh, understanding your skill set, right? If you're good at sales, you're good at architecture, you're good at numbers, you're good at certain things. Then if you are have certain skill sets and certain affinities for certain subsets of real estate, then take that and go. So if you're good in sales, go become a broker and agent. If you're good at numbers, go work in real estate finance. If you're good with your hands, go work for a construction company. If you're good on paper or you're very you know, you have a very, um, your mind and is more detail oriented. Yeah. Get into architecture and engineering, right? Because, but that's architecture and engineering for real estate, right? Because if you're able to take that skill set and really grow it, then you can really understand how to, how to learn more about it. Because once you get into these industries, once you get into these industries with your skill set, then you'll start seeing opportunities on how to grow and to invest and how to develop and do more and more. Hmm. So you think it because definitely, if you're, say, do you think it's, uh, no, for example, mm -hmm. if you are good at sales and you get into real estate brokerage, well, then you're selling houses and commercial property. Well, when you're selling houses and commercial property, you're going to start seeing opportunities to invest and to develop into other ones. Right. And this is the natural progression. It's about getting into a, a business or the field where it actually allows you to see opportunities to grow and to expand, but, it, but you can't do it driving a desk, right? You have to get out there and start doing it. Hmm. Have hmm. you ever looked into investing abroad or have you mostly focused in the U S or want to focus in the U S? Yeah, I want to focus in the U S because investing abroad is it's it's hard to control if you don't have the structures in place and they don't have the structures in place for something like that let me master what i'm doing here first before i start going out of the country right let me have the kind of team the company the structure the systems in place that can handle things here easily and then if an opportunity presents itself outside of the country then i would look at it then but right now let me get a handle on what's here first Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's not like there isn't plenty of investment uh, opportunities in the U S I was just curious since I'm in Colombia currently. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd be fun. It sounds like <laughs> a great opportunity. It'd be a lot of fun, but you know, it's like get your house in order first before you start looking at someone else's, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, is that? Yeah. For and sure. where to somebody that's looking for funding. Or where are you looking for funding? Just through through your connections, through through uh, what exactly, or what's your your plan of action? I I will connect with the people who are good at that, 
right? So the, the problem isn't financing and funding. There's plenty of money out there. There's plenty of people with money. There's plenty of people that have been waiting for opportunity. It's about creating the opportunity for them, right? Um, you know, if you saw an opportunity and say, hey, uh, Andres, I'm going to sell you this brand new Lamborghini for a hundred thousand dollars. Are you going to say, oh, I don't have the money to buy it. Or are you going to be like, give me a minute. I'm going <laughs> to make a few phone calls. I'll be right back. Why? Cause it's not a financial issue. It's an opportunity issue. So I'm focusing on creating the opportunities. And once the opportunities are created, then I go to the people that are good on the finances and the, the fundraising, and I'll let them do the work. Hey, I got this opportunity. I'm good at creating the opportunities. You're good at, at networking, you know, raising funds, getting investors. Let's team up and do this together. Right. And that's what I would do. Right. Find the opportunity, create the opportunity, and then the money will come in easily. Same thing. Hey, Andres, you want to buy this Lamborghini for a hundred thousand dollars? It's worth 150. Uh, yeah, I'll buy it for 150 grand. I don't have the money, but let me make a few phone calls to the guys that do. And then I will, I'll bring that right in. Right. So it's all about creating the opportunity and then the financing will follow. Yeah. I think you realize very quickly that, uh, the, I guess, financing or money, if you want to call it, uh, is very abundant. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like money is almost never the problem. Right. I mean, that's what I've realized. And that's a mindset shift. Right. I, for me, it was right to realize that money isn't the problem. Financing isn't the problem. It's finding the opportunity or having the vision and the clarity to realize to find the problem and solve it is more of the, the issue to, to focus on, um, whether it be real estate Correct. or not. Right. Yeah. hundred percent in any business. If you came to me with a business idea that was going to solve problems for millions of people, I would be all over it because why you're presenting me an opportunity to a solution, right? That's not, that's very much in demand, very much needed. Let me get on the investment side of this, right? Let me be a part of this. Not about, Hey, I got a bunch of money. I don't know what to do with it. I'm like, no, I got an opportunity. I know exactly what to do with it. I just need the financing. And that's where it happens. I think 95% of people though, think that or don't realize that, right? They don't realize how abundant it is. I think they, I, yeah. I'm not sure if it's because they're not in business or not, um, uh, you know, not a mindset it. or they don't, they are, it, yeah, they're, they're just not exposed to it, but it's out there. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. So I want to touch on one last topic. Um, I noticed that you have a coaching business. Am I, am I correct in saying that? Uh, yeah, I do some mentorship for sure. Yeah, I do. And is that something that you've always had or um, have recently <laughs> just brought up since your 2019 <laughs> um, change mindset shift? I've, or Yeah, it's something I've done recently. It's something that I enjoy doing. I mm -hmm. I really find a lot of, um, um, enjoyment out of it. And it kind of stems from, Hey, I got a, I have a very specific skill and knowledge and experience that I have myself 
And a lot of people, there's not a lot of people showing or sharing or teaching or coaching or mentoring what I do. Right. But I see a lot of people making mistakes. I see a lot of people making money, uh, losing money. I see a lot of people getting into trouble because they're trying to get into real estate development, investment and development, but they're being led by the wrong people. They're being led by people who don't have the experience. They're being led by people who are just, you know, not in their best interest. And they are trying to do things on their own without doing their homework. And this business that we're in, you can lose a lot of money. This isn't a small investment. You know, real estate development is big money. And if I can coach people and show people and mentor people how to take the right steps and develop and invest the correct way, then one, people aren't going to be losing money. They're going to be making money. Two, they're going to be successful. And three, they're going to be out there building some really amazing projects that I can be proud of saying, I'm really proud of that. You really did a great job. I'm glad to be a part of it. And I'm glad that I was able to help you get here. And that's, you know, the main reasons why I do this, because I really do enjoy it. I really want to see people build some cool projects. I really want to see them do it the right way. I really want to see them be successful at it and not lose all their money because they skipped a step or they didn't know how to do something. Right. It's funny that whenever I meet a successful person, they, their reaction is never, you know, like sort of one of hoarding or being like not wanting to share how they, how they made money. Right. Like oftentimes it's like, no, let me, let me share this. Right. There's, there's enough money for all of us. There's that abundance mindset. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the more success you have, the more it opens your up, your eyes to seeing all the opportunities out there. And there is no way I can ever even accomplish or go after the tiniest fraction of opportunities that are in my, my business. Right. So every day I see more and more every day. I understand there's no way I'm ever going to be anywhere close to getting or pursuing or being a part of all these opportunities. So why not see people that I know, like, and trust to do that themselves? to help them get there, to help them see something, to do something amazing, to have a cool project, to have a great success, to do something for their family, to be proud of something and not to lose their money while they're doing it. And at the end of the day, maybe you're coaching your next, uh, <laughs> joint venture partner there, right? You never know, you know, they may come up with a really great project that I'm interested in and they'll be like, you want to do this? I'll be like, yeah, that seems fun. That seems great. That seems Awesome. Let's pursue it. You know, I don't develop in Colombia, but maybe one day Andres calls me up and says, I got this great opportunity. We take a look at it and I'll be like, I'm all in, you know, this is a great option. Let's, let's pursue this. Hmm. Great. I love it. Well, um, sounds like a good, good, uh, point to, to end it. So, um, thanks so much for jumping on. Thank you. Uh, thanks for your time. So it was uh, great, great to chat. All the time. Anytime. All the time. If you have anything, just reach out to me. Let me know what you need. And, and if I can help you in any way, I will, for sure. Much appreciated. Same goes to you. <laughs> Thank you, Angus. 